All right, what's up, everyone? Luke Thomas, Monday Morning Analyst, here on this uh, Leap Day, February 29th, 2016. Thanks for joining me. Um, we are going to talk about what happened on Saturday. UFC Fight Night 84, Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping. There were some other combat sports events from the week, but um, this one had a really controversial and interesting main event. I think it's worth exploring, so we're going to do that today. As you know, podcast takes place in three parts. General overview, we look a little bit deeper at one fight, sometimes a couple, but in this case just one, and then we look ahead at what's next. So go ahead and get things started. The truth is we normally go through the car and talk about each individual fight, Um you know, I certainly don't want to demean these guys. I, 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 they're very, very good fighters. Some of them really good, um, but a lot of these guys are just kind of on that UFC bubble where they have a. Some, I'm not saying they have a roster spot strictly because of their uh, nationality, but they have a little bit more leniency um, in terms of what they're what, what we accept from them. You know, when you got tough Latin American guys taking on guys from England, and these guys from England never compete on bigger shows a lot of the times, you generally get a sense of, you know, their level. So they're still very, very good martial artists. They're extremely good mixed martial artists, but, you know, this is the big leagues. We're going to hold them to a bit of a higher standard. So we'll just go through these a little bit. Michael Bisping taking on Anderson. First of all, real quickly, this took place at the O2 Arena, uh, attendance 16,734, total gate of 2 million. Okay, main event, Michael Bisping taking on Anderson Silva. Michael Bisping wins 48-47 across the board. He won rounds one, two, and four. Silver won rounds three and five. Um, not, we're going to break this fight down in the second uh, half. Um, so I don't want to say too much about it now. So we'll just jump real quickly. Gagard Musasi taking on Talis Lightis. 30-27, 29-28, 30-27. Bit of a boring fight. Uh, Musasi ha- having really good takedown defense. You saw Lightis just kind of lunging in, especially from the late first, second, third rounds. Really not setting up the takedown at all. Um, when he would make it a brawl, he had a little bit more success, but... Musasi found a way to slow the fight down, work behind the jab, and uh, control that fight from pillar to post, basically. Top prospect Tom Breeze defeated Kaito Nakamura, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. Tough fight for him. I think there were several rounds, at least two, where he got taken down from a body lock trip. um, And then uh, Nakamura either landed in leg drag or some position like it and was able to move pretty easily to uh, mount. Now, Breeze did a really good job of bridging, getting his knees inside, moving the half guard, getting the underhook, standing. Again, went inside when he was able to work behind, or excuse me, standing. When he was able to work behind the jab, was able to do a lot of really effective things. Uh, Had, you know, crisper, cleaner striking than Nakamura. But Nakamura definitely had some tricks. You saw, uh, again, uh, Breeze doing a lot of things like... You know, when he would get the mount, he would get the, he would bridge, get the knee inside, go for a heel hook. You know, Nakamura would escape. We saw this with Matt Brown and Johnny Hendricks. Matt Brown's not going to really fight off too many of Johnny Hendricks' takedowns. Um, but what he can do is he can go for leg locks. That gets the guy on top to move away for you. Nakamura would do that. Breeze would stand. So, um, uh, interesting to see there. You know, not the performance I think some were expecting from Tom Breeze, but Nakamura is tough, and I'm really glad they're bringing Breeze along slowly. I do think he's got a big upside, but, you know, obviously some work to do, especially with managing space in tight. There was you know, Nakamura was able to get a hold of him, then run him back to the fence, and then figure things out. Again, I'm going to say this over and over again, com- compare and contrast that with guys who are able to create immediate separation. There's just a world of difference in terms of the offense that opens up for you. You know, easier said than done, of course. Uh, Brad Pickett defeating Francisco Rivera via split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. I scored this one for Rivera, 29-28. Pickett certainly had his moments, especially late, but I kind of thought that um, 
you know, he didn't look all that good. He doesn't take a shot like he used to. Now, his wrestling did come into effect. He had the one throw where he picked up one way, stepped out and around, and then turned him the other. That was kind of nice. I think in that third round, he always lands his doubles in side control. Um, you know, this is this, the wrestling is what enabled him to beat Demetrius Johnson back in the day, in the WEC day. So, you know, we, we know he's got a fantastic double, but I just thought that Rivera had a better timing on his punches. Obviously, the bigger uh, power punch generally. Um, I thought Rivera faded a bit in that one, but not enough to warrant two rounds to pick it. But the fight took place in his home country. Nevertheless, you know, Pickett's a good guy. We're always happy to see a good guy get a good win, but um, not necessarily how I scored that. Maybe you have a different opinion. Uh, we move to the preliminary card. There's really not a lot of point in talking about a lot of these. Uh, the only one, two that really stand out to me that really kind of matter. Number one, Makwan Amir Khani defeated Mike Wilkinson. 29-28, 30-27, 29-28. couple of submissions there by Wilkinson. A couple of guillotine varieties that really got close. Gotta say, Amir Khan, he gets this reputation as this like dangerous striker. And he is, of course. Partly because he's a little bit reckless. Um, but also because he's you know powerful and athletic. But man, his wrestling was really, really good here. What an effortless double from Amir Khan. Really, really admirable. Really admirable. Um, I liked some of the maturation from Amir Khan. And he kind of faded there a little bit late too. But you know showed some guts. Persevered. Pushed it through. Wilkinson giving him some really tight moments here. Wilkinson's got a decent guard. Got a decent front headlock series. Was, was creating some havoc for him. But Amir Khan just finding ways out of it. Really, really nice. Really nice. Um... The only other one that really stood out to me, Rustam Habilov defeating Norman Park, 29-28, 29-28, 29-28. Park did better than I thought he would. He was actually better defending the takedown than I thought. Uh, Habilov had his moments. But Habilov didn't throw a, lead, throw a lot of offense in this one. You know, I thought he was going to be a little bit more active with his hands. He was a little bit for maintaining distance and then the occasional one to pop Park when he got a little bit lazy with his footwork. But not really. I, th- I thought there would be a big difference between the two, and there wasn't. Park was by no means blown out of this one. Uh, it was very competitive f- f- throughout most of it, quite frankly. Um, but in the end, Habilov just had a little bit more offense, a little bit more tools. He looked to be in physically phenomenal shape. Pork did too, but you know, um, Habilov really looked to be um, um, quite muscular. But so I don't know what Habilov is. You know, I thought why was this fight on the prelim card? And I can see like he's still a work in progress. You know, um, good in the clinch, of course. Great takedowns, no doubt about it. Athletic, great. Yeah, fearless when he strikes, but. There just wasn't a ton of really compelling offense from him um, in a way that I had expected. Other results from the card, Davy Grant defeated Marlon Vera, unanimous decision, 30-26 across the board. Uh, Scott Askham had a decent head kick win over Chris Dempsey at 445 of the first. Dempsey had some good takedowns. Askham really good about getting to his back for armbar framing. And again, causing Dempsey to back out a little bit, which allows... Um, in this case, ask him to go from guard to submission or, you know, submission attempt back to guard. Not really. A lot of guys don't want to attempt submission because they lose position. Ask him's really good about reclaiming that. Uh, Arnold Allen, who people are high on, he didn't look bad, but there wasn't a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, defeating Yeltsin Meza, 30-27 across the board. Christoph Joko taking on Brad Scott, 29-28, 30-27, 29-28. Uh, Daniel Omilanchuk defeating Jarjus Danho in what is a terrible fight. 
29, 28, 28. Uh, that was stopped at 131 of the third round after multiple groin strikes. It was a horrible fight. Uh, Timu Pakalin defeating Thibaut Goti real quickly. Basically cracked him, took his back. I think he was able to put the choke in before they even had the hooks in. That was quite, quite nice. 24 seconds of the first round. And then David Timur, who actually looked pretty good, defeating Martin Svensson uh, at 126 of the second round with his punches. I want to see a little bit more from David Timur. I don't want to say too a lot about him now, but um, I really liked his use of range in that fight. So here's what I want to talk about. I really just want to talk about um, that main event. There is so much to say about it. It's such an excellent fight, such a weird fight, such a tough fight for both guys. So let's do this. Let's end segment one. Let's move to segment two. I'm going to offer some more comments about segment or about the, the main event, and then we'll look at some of the fight footage to see what both guys did well and maybe why one guy won and one, one guy lost. Um, as you know, when I scored the fight in real time, live blogging, which I uh, compared like driving while texting, um, it's difficult. And uh, my scores routinely change after the fact. Upon f- first viewing live blogging like this, which is hard, I scored it th- uh, 48-47 for Silva. I had one and two rounds for Bisping, then 3-4-5 for Silva. I will tell you in the second segment if I kept that up or changed my score when we... When we go there, I will let you know I have since watched it, the fight like three times. Um, I will tell you how I've scored round four in the second segment. Let's do that now. All right, segment two here. We're going to take a deeper look at Bisping versus Silva, Silva versus Bisping, whatever you want to call it. Now, we're going to take a look at some footage. Well, I don't have footage rights, but we're going to take a look at some slides uh, to see what some, you know, why Bisping won, why Silva lost, but what were some things that both guys did really well. But let's just take a step back here and analyze the fight for just a second, and then we'll take a look at that footage. I have to say, what an incredible performance from Michael Bissing. My hat really goes off to him. Um, just phenomenal. There's so many things he did really right in this, but like nothing glamorous. Like There's nothing in Michael Bisping's game that is something you're going to see repeated in Ong Bak movies. It's, it's That's not the kind of guy he is. Now, you might, from Anderson Silva, even from this fight, you'll see there was a really nice uh, over-the-top-of-the-hands Superman punch that Silva lands. Like, he's still got a little bit of that. And, you know, Bisping was distracted when he got hit with that knee in the third that caused that flash KO or whatever you want to call that. But, um, so, you know, Silva had his moments. But, really, this was about Michael Bisping just showing up in ways that he needed to. I, so impressive. You know, what was the most impressive thing about what Bisping did? I'd have to say that, you know, if you look at what he throws, and we're gonna, again, we're going to look at this, it's nothing really all that complicated. But when I say that it's simple or not complicated, I'm not saying it's easy. In fact, what I'm saying is two things. One, he makes it look a little easy because he's so good. And two, it's easy to follow in the sense that, you know, it's not the upward elbow from Anderson Silva or... Again, any other you know flashy technique techniques from Pettis that you might see in occasional fights, it's really just, I mean, brilliantly executed fundamentals. Brilliantly executed fundamentals is what this fight was all about. And it came down to that, and it came down to, really, the number one thing was the mastery of distance from Michael Bisping. Wow. Wow. There are so many moments in this where you watch what happens and you're like, this guy's understanding of distance is tremendous. And I have to be honest, I didn't think he was going to be able to do that against Anderson Silva, at least not in the way that he did. 
I was totally wrong. Um, I just thought that Anderson Silva would be the guy who would have much more uh, command and control of that reach, and that's just not the case. Um, not in this fight. Maybe in a rematch if it happens, that would be the case, but not not this past Saturday night. No way. Um, it, that was really the domain of Michael Bisping. Now, I had teased in the first segment that while live blogging, I had scored about 48-47 for Silva, and uh, I had since watched the fight a couple of times without live blogging. How did I score round four? Sure enough, the score changes. When you watch round four, it, it's pretty clearly Michael Bisping's round. And everyone says, well, you know, Silva picked it up in the last minute. Mm, not really. He kind of picked it up in the last 13, and then really even after that, the last 15 seconds. Uh, and surely he landed some good punches. He landed a really solid one, too, and I think a knee. We'll go back through it here in a minute. But um, that's Michael Bisping's round. That's Michael Bisping's round. Now, you can say, I, I mentioned the Max Kellerman test, right? You know, who would you rather be when that fight is over? Um, you can make a case for either guy. You can make a case for Bisping that you thought you did enough to win the three rounds. You can make a case for Silva that, you know, you did more damage. Clearly, Silva did more damage, right? There's no there's no doubt about that. He did get he got stumbled once and he got clearly dropped in the second, but he never got dropped in the same way that Bisping did. And there was also that from that front kick that he landed where that didn't just land and pop Michael Bisping's head back. It almost knocked him off his feet. Um and then a bunch of other things that he landed in between uh, then and there. So um, you know, I saw some people saying, well, Michael Bisping won the MMA contest, Silva won the fight. I always find those distinctions to be um, a little bit silly. But I do think, that, you know, if you want to say who, who landed the overall, the harder shots, um, that is pretty clearly going to be Michael Bisping. Or, excuse me, uh, Anderson Silva. But Michael Bisping just did a lot more that matches the scoring criteria. It was a mature performance. It was a tactical performance. It was one where they clearly had a game plan, and they went in and just executed it. It was one where he had a lot of different tools, well-planned, well-rehearsed, and when one didn't work, he went to the next. When the next didn't work, maybe he went back to the first, or when he went to the third, or went to the fourth and fifth. Um, and it was all real fundamentals. It was... It was hand trap, throw the right. It was double jab to get the distance, throw the right, finish with the leg kick. It was throw the right, slip outside, throw the leg kick. It was just, it was so technically tight for Michael Bisping. Not a lot of risk taking, but a consistent application of pressure, a consistent presence in the pocket, and really the guy who commanded the fight in terms of the distancing and where the fight took place was Michael Bisping. And if you're the one commanding the distance, chances are you're the one commanding the fight. And that's really how what it all comes down to. Um, I understand if folks think, well, maybe that knockdown in the third for Michael Bisping should have counted as a 10-8. I agree that we should reform the scoring system to reflect that. But under the current scoring criteria, that would not be a 10-8 round, although I agree it should be, right? Um, some folks are saying maybe the fourth round could be a 10-10 round. I don't think that's a crazy idea, but if it's not a 10 round, it's definitely a 10-9 for Bisping. It's not a 10-9 for Silva. Uh, and here's the other amazing part, um, and I'll show this here graphically. Bisping gets dropped in that third round. We all saw what happened. Chaos ensued. Then the fourth round comes out. That's Bisping's round, most likely. But here's what we know unequivocally. The fourth round was Bisping's most offensively active round. Think about that for a second. This guy goes and gets dropped. Who knows if he knows where he is at that moment. I mean, that was a really hard shot he took. And then he goes up there and does more in that next round than he had in, in any of the previous rounds. 
That is crazy. That is crazy. That is really, truly, just totally commendable. I take my hat off to the guy. I, I, I find that to be, you know, when you, when you ask fighters to give what they have to give, when you ask them to summon their will, you know, we can't do the things they do when they summon, but it is amazing to see them do what they can do when they truly, you know, uh, have to rise to the occasion in, in that kind of a way. So I, I just find Michael Bisping's performance here to be totally exemplary, a credit to combat athletes everywhere. Not the flashiest stuff, not the most interesting, oh my God, dynamic, but true career, refined fundamentals, consistently applied with great coaching, great game plan, great tenacity, uh, and really great follow through, even in portions of that fight where he was getting gutted a little bit, especially in that fifth round too, where he was able to hang on, um, you know, really never getting cornered, um, uh, you know, he would always, if he was circling out and getting pushed back by Silva, he would always fake one way. Silva would commit, then he would fake the other way. You know, classic way to get out of a corner. It's not really the same kind of corners in the octagon, um, but you get the idea. Now, before we move on, one quick thing. I'm going to flash the number here on the screen. I did a little uh, research. Now, you could time this to see how often was Anderson Silva behind the two concentric black lines, the two concentric octagons, inside the octagon how often was he behind that getting pushed back because there were times he was behind it technically but he was the one you know bisping had his back on the fence but i mean the opposite you know how much time was he there i didn't time that but it must have been an extraordinary amount of time because bisping kept backing him up but more than that what i did measure was how much time did uh, Anderson Silva spend with his back on the fence? And that includes a couple of things. Number one, it includes just straight up sitting there doing the Macarena and then uh, and then um, just staying there for prolonged periods. It also includes moments where maybe his back wasn't exactly on the fence, but I would watch very carefully. He would at least have his foot, his back foot touching the fence, and he would refuse to step out, either at an angle, side to side, or forward. He would just stay planted. So I counted that too. So what I encourage you to do is go through and time it on your own. You might get a different time based on how you define it. But here's the question. If I added up all that time, Anderson Silva's back on the fence or foot is there and he refuses to engage forward or laterally, he's just standing there in place, not doing anything, how much time would you say he wasted in that fight? What would you say? A minute, 30 seconds, 45? What would you say? Okay. Turns out the number, ready? Two minutes and nine seconds. That's how long he did that. He essentially gave away almost half a round doing that. When a fight comes down to the fact that you lost one round and you in totality gave away almost half of one, wow, that's al- that's just unforgivable. You know, we often talk about Anderson Silva's fight IQ, or we actually, we let me take a step back. We talk about fight IQ. We never talk about Anderson's fight IQ. Look, he has the ability to do creative things, but fight IQ more traditionally means do you make good decisions in fights? And I have to say, he made a lot of poor decisions in this one. Wow. Spending over two minutes essentially in a position where you could, except for that really, that just that one front kick, which was significant, but after two and a, two minutes plus, that's all you're really able to land over the course of five rounds from that position. It's just negligent. It's really negligent fighting. There's just no other way to describe it. In a fight that important, he just gave away so much. I also think, you know, we have to look at Anderson Silva at this point and say, boy, the guy looks older, doesn't he? A real inability to pull the trigger when he had to. Um, and, the, you know, 
the decision for everyone was saying, well, he was effectively counter-striking. He really wasn't. Like, there were a couple of moments where he was effectively counter-striking. You're going to see in the examples I provide. Yes, that front kick was nice where he had his back along the fence and he pushed Bisping so far because it was so damaging. The majority of his offense, Anderson Silva, took place when he was forward-pressing. He really was not able to take much advantage of Bisping when he was backing up, which was the majority of the fight. And more to the point, the reason why Silva got caught so many times by Bisping, or at least was available to be hit, even if it wasn't like the biggest punch in the world every time, although he doesn't get dropped, Bisping is much more about, I mean, such, I mean, I mean, fabuloso, clean footwork. The cleanest footwork by Michael Bisping. There was a point in that fourth round early where he was still not all together where you see his feet come together. You never want to see a guy's feet come together. If they take a step, they want to follow it, right? Take a step, follow it, take a step. So you always sort of maintain the same kind of balance and structure underneath you. And there was a couple of moments early in that fourth, understandably, where he's not all there necessarily, and you see his feet come together in points. You never want to see a guy's feet come together. Um, but more, but when he was like forward-pushing, like this in his stance, when he was forward pushing Silva back, impeccable movement. Really going side to side, you know, faking side to side, showing with his hands, giving different looks, coming up here and then throwing. And his feet, and Dan Hardy, I think, said something to this effect. Michael Bisping's feet were always underneath him. Always. But what Silva likes to do is there'd be times when Bisping would pressure and Silva would back up. But... What he does a lot, and you saw this in the Weidman fight, what Silva does a lot is he likes to plant his feet and use trunk movement at the waist. That's what he likes to do. That is getting him caught over and over and over again. Got him caught in the Weidman fight, and then it got him caught in this fight. A lot it got him caught. And what Bisping was able to do is so remarkable because... He was able to land and actually drop him in that second round when he was just doing the trunk movement thing. You know, rather than circling out at a distance and, and at an angle, he just kind of plants his feet a little bit. I mean, he might well, he might shuffle a little bit, but not enough. And he'll just, you know, duck and dodge, doing kung fu, wing chung hand traps. Doesn't work. But again, what Bisping was able to do was he would land, you know, double up on the jab, fire the right, let's say, come home with the right, and then he would back out. A lot of times what Silva does with that trunk movement stuff is he, it's, he gets you to follow him. What he wants to do is he wants to duck your punch, duck your other punch, duck your punch, block your kick, duck your punch, parry the, parry the hand. He wants you to keep going in that space. He likes to play that whack-a-mole game. He wants you to play whack-a-mole and keep your feet planted. Well, if his feet are planted and your feet are planted, he's going to win that game over time. And you see that actually later on when he actually gets Michael Bisping's back against the fence. Bisping begins to play that game with him a little bit, and he pays for it. But as long as you're in open space, and you're cutting angles, and you're stepping out at an angle with a punch, and you're disguising and being unpredictable what you're doing, and he's the one doing the trunk movement, you can chew him up, especially if you don't stay in place and try and over-pursue a combination. You had a three-punch combination planned. You miss one, maybe you land one, you miss another, but you want to stay because you see him right there, you want to land on him, and all of a sudden you're playing his game. Michael Bisping never, almost never did that except when he got cornered. He never did it in open space anyway. This is what I'm talking about. Defensively responsible, veteran smarts, tactical, uh, clear-eyed in terms of what he had to do to win the whole time. 
Really, I take my hat off to Michael Bisping. And a very impressive performance. And again, not the kind of flash that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is going to show you. Okay, fair enough. He's not that kind of fighter. But young fighters out there, forget about what Stephen Thompson's doing. I'm not saying you shouldn't reach for the stars, you know, because he's so impressive. You, you, you should look up to who you, who you want to look up to. Try and, you know, try and be the best fighter you can be and find your own identity. And if that means, you know, getting some ideas from Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, of course do it. You know, who am I to tell you otherwise? But I would say for the majority of you guys out there, if there's a young fighter watching this or if you know somebody who's a young fighter, you should be watching Michael Bisping, man. You should be watching Michael Bisping, a guy who's got a strong command of the jab. I mean, just excellent footwork. Really, it's the basics. But people are like, the basics, oh, the basics are easy. No, the basics are hard. If you go to a boxing gym, the first thing they'll tell you is it's going to take you years to perfect a jab. You know how hard it is to jab properly? People don't think it's hard to, to jab properly. It is super hard to jab properly. It takes years to learn how to do proper footwork. Proper footwork is like learning how to skate, ice skate the first time. Your feet are coming in sideways at an angle, and you don't have proper balance, and you can't. That's what learning what footwork is. And when Michael Michael Bisping is one of these NHL players, man, I don't I don't know if he's Ovechkin, but he can skate going forward. He can skate going backwards, side to side, stop on a dime. You know, when it comes to footwork, that's the kind of command over the over the space that he has with his feet. So, without further ado, I know I've been rambling here a little bit, but I'm just so impressed by it. And I feel like if you're a young, young fighter out there, work on your jab, work on your cross, work on your setups, work on your feints that he does all the time. Work on how to back someone up. Work on not committing to someone else's game. Work on how to be smart and disciplined. Learn how to fight like Michael Bisping. And, you know, if you want to add in all the other stuff that, you, that, that appeals to you, go ahead and do it. But I will tell you, there will be way more fighters benefited by following what Michael Bisping does than maybe some of the flash that Stephen Thompson can get away with because he's special in his own right. We've already talked about that. All right, let's take a look at some of the footage. Let's see maybe why Michael Bisping won, maybe why Anderson Silva lost. Let's take a look at, though, what some of the things that Michael Bisping did well, maybe not so well. Let's take a look at some of the things that Anderson Silva did well because he also had his moments in this fight. All right, so here we are. We're going to take a look at some of the things that these guys did well, maybe not so well. Um, and there's just different parts. I can't go through all of it. Obviously, it's a 25-minute fight. You know, um, you don't need to see everything. But here's a couple of highlights I just want to get to. Um, let's go back and start at the first round. You can see here we're only in the first round. A little knot here. Three, uh, two minutes have passed, almost. You can see Bisping is pursuing. And look who's close to being on the outside of these two rings I was talking about. It ain't Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping doing the one. You know, I, And by the way, go back and watch. He always was really good about keeping his shoulder next to his chin. Uh, like a good, you know... Uh, uh, a good boxing stylist, hands a little bit higher than Silva's here. Not tremendously so, but okay, he's pursuing, so we'll see what happens. So we go to the next one. You see him feeling it out here a little bit, trying to cut an angle out to the side. Again, someone here is much more stationary than the other guy. That doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world, but just something that's a consistent pattern that's worth paying attention to. So we keep going. You see him step out at an angle. Go back here, go back here, boom. Boom. Steps out at an angle with a nice wide base. Now, he could get caught here depending on what Silva did because he's a little bit wide, but he had timed it really nicely when you go back and watch. What Silva does is he doesn't move his feet together. He just takes his, his right foot backward. That's what I mean by shifting in and out of the pocket. you got to move both feet. You don't just sort of widen your stance generally. And you see he takes the outside angle with the foot here. And what happens is Silva says, Ah, okay, I don't like this so much. I'm going to... I'm going to back out a little bit. Yeah, now he moves both feet. Says, ah, okay, I don't like that. But Bisping liked what he saw there. 
He saw how close he was able to get. He saw that Silva's reactions were a little bit slow. So you know what he does? He does it again. And when he does it again, steps out of the foot. What he's going to do is he's going to use his left hand to pull down the right of Silva. And you just see Silva's reactions are really kind of slow. Boom. Fires it right up the middle. Look at this. This is perfect. I mean, this is just as clean as you can get. And that's kind of the eye you saw later on, that right eye of Silva that got busted up. So, you know, just a great job by Michael Bisping of getting a reaction, see what would happen, you know, investigating, looking, timing, seeing what everything looks like, seeing something you like, and then following through on it. A lot of guys see what they like and they just can't pull the trigger. There was a lot of lack of puller trigging. What am I saying? Puller trigging. Trigger pulling, I should say, uh, if I can speak English, from Anderson Silva. Uh, not so for Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping won this fight for a lot of reasons, and you know, as I mentioned before, you know, uh, uh, re- maximization of the reach and managing distance was one of the reasons. Another reason: proactive offense. He was the guy who was striking first a lot. Really good job here from Michael Bisping. I know, by the way, following with a kick, they teach you in Muay Thai all the time. If you're going to throw a hands combination, uh, if you can. At, almost all the time, try and finish with just a you know a, a, a kick to the legs. Silva kind of moves that right one out of the way, but this one still lands on the inside of the left leg of Silva. So again, just you know, it's fundamentals, but fundamentals at a very high level from Michael Bisping. Great, great job by him here. So let me go to another part where you see Silva, here's, he's trying to have more chance. Bisping does a really good job of never, for the most part, round five not so much, but early in the fight, he never lets himself get too far backed up without space to move either forward or side to side. He tries to throw a push kick here as Anderson's coming in. It doesn't quite work. So let's see what happens next. And I believe this is the end of the first, if I'm not mistaken. He times Silva as he comes in. Silva hands down. And he cracks him with a right as he kind of shifts to his left. And the picture doesn't fully tell the story. Yeah, I, I encourage you to go back and watch the video. But he's going to, as Silva comes in laterally, Bisping is going to move out at an angle. And he's going to catch him. And now watch Bisping pivot on the front leg to do that. Cracks him with the left. Now, not the cleanest left in the world, but he's the one pivoting at an angle. Look where the hips are facing. His hip, Silva's hips are kind of facing mostly the cage, you know, directly here. Bisping's hips are facing kind of away, more like towards this Hudson sign, because he's hitting at an angle, which enables him to get away. Now, same thing. Silver pursues, not liking what he saw. Look how far apart they are now. So Bisping, if he wants, can circle out if this guy, because he's so far over to the cage, he can't he can't cut off this space here, right? Follows through. Who punches first? Go back and watch the video. It's Michael Bisping that punches first. His lands to the head way before anything that, that Silva tries to throw can land. It actually never lands. It actually gets blocked sort of on the inside shoulder here of Bisping. But Bisping timed him coming in and was the first to throw. Again, it was not merely managing distance. It was not merely coming into the center. It was not merely getting his back off the cage. It was also being first. And uh, a la Ronda Rossi Holly Holm, when you do this, you know when you're the outside punch, you're able to, to cut the corner a little bit easy and go back to the center. And that actually rocked Silva, uh, or at least off-balanced him, and then he falls. Okay, so then we move to, I think, here we go, yeah, round two. So let's look at something else that Michael Bisping does really well. Michael Bisping, you see, showing his hands high, always trying to gauge reactions from Anderson Silva. You see him, look at here, he flares that bottom heel out and brings his hips forward, like, you know, maybe I'm lowering my hands to throw a kick, maybe it's a front kick, 
Maybe it's uh, a, a you know flying knee. Anything you can do from that kind of stance. You know when your heel is up like that, you can maybe throw a kick. Maybe uh, a lot of different choices. But you, he's doing it to gauge a reaction from Silva. And as you can see, there's not much one from Silva at this point. You see him commit there again. About a second later, throws a front kick to see what happens with Silva. Not a whole lot. Silva doesn't back up much. This enables when he brings his foot down to get better positioning. Now he's a little bit closer to where he wants to be as a consequence. Now It's not so much a range finder. It's more of a range establisher, if that makes sense. So here we have Bisping. Much better position than he wanted to be. Credit to Herb Dean. Eyes on Silva the whole time. I like that. Uh, Bisping is kind of fainting. You can see, look how close they are now. Go back before... Look how far apart they are. Look how knee to knee they are. Now we move here, and now look how good they are. That that he that that leg up. It's more to keep you know. Yes, Silva off of him, but when he lands, he can kind of drive in on range a little bit in a slick and sly way. He sticks the jab out. Interestingly, on the inside here, and the way he does this, you'll see he takes a step, and he just sees the hand is way down. Well. I mean, it's an open lane, right? And you're, if you're first and his reactions are delayed, pop him. And he pops him. And what happens here is he pops him so hard, Michael Bisping ducks. The hand comes over. You can see how it swings like a giant axe. And, and, and this to me is what I remember, remember I talked about, like, just always finding range, always having his feet under him. What you're going to see in the next slide is Michael Bisping takes a crow hop backwards to re-establish range so he can have the kind of punch he wants. Maybe he could kick Silva here. Maybe there's, I mean, not, not, no one's saying there's not offense from here, but the kind of offense Michael Bisping wants to throw. Re-establish conditions, but you got to do it in a hurry, and you got to do it quickly. Takes a step out, and look at this. Silva's not punching here. Silva's trying to bring his arm back to his body because it got so far away that he's just trying to reclaim the space that he lost. And what do you notice? Who's hopping in space? It's Michael Bisping hopping in space. What is Anderson Silva doing? Basically kind of standing in space. Trunk movement here. Not the same kind of defensive trunk movement he used against the cage, but, you know, trunk movement to... Um, um, you know, uh, how do I want to say? Just, just He doesn't really want to move his feet around a lot. So Michael Bisping not only steps back in space, look at how primed he is. Look how loaded his leg and hips are and how bent down he is sitting down on the punch for another punch to come down the pike. Probably a right hand. Let's see what happens here. But I just want to point out, I mean, that is cocked, locked, and ready to rock, ladies and gentlemen. Boom. Throws that. I mean, look at how much he drives into this punch. Kabam. Son, you are getting worked on here. And then, of course, what's happening here? This punch has an effect of essentially riding his posture, a la Cody Garbrandt in his last fight. The left comes home as well. Not quite a phase-shifting punch exactly. A little bit, but not exactly. Um, but just a, just a clean, badass left hook, and that drops him to the canvas. So one more time here on this. Let's go back just one more time. Kind of far apart, fainting. Takes that big step. That enables him to close the distance a little bit better. Kind of faints. See what kind of reaction he gets here. Pops the jab with the open lane. It it, it stuns Silva and not and and kind of makes him swing a wild punch as he tries to reclaim space. Bisping takes a big crow hop back to reestablish where you know the space in which he can control the fight. Cracks a right, cracks a left, and the king goes down. 
All right, so now we're in round four here. I just want to point out something. Round four. This is after Silva's landed that brutal knee. Look at what Michael Bisping's doing. Is that not commendable as hell? He's got Silva on his back on the fourth round here. We're in the fourth round. Again, it's after Michael Bisping's been rocked. We got Silva on his back, Bisping pursuing. This is the round in which he was the most active offensively. And there was a temporary eye poke. I just wanted to put this look at Michael Bisping's face. Look at what he has given to the fight game. That eye is a show, and his face is a mess. And here he is staring down Anderson Silva in the main event. You got to have respect for Michael Bisping. I'm sorry. I know he's done a lot of things where he's you know, spitting on corners and, 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 and mocking people that it rubs people the wrong way. I understand that. And I'm not here to tell you that's not something you should care about. But what I am saying is the guy is a credit to combat athletes everywhere. He is a warrior, period. So we go to the fourth round. This is really where the most of Silva's offense happens in that fourth round. He had a couple of you know punches here or there. just want to point something out. Where is the offense taking place? Oh, I know. It's behind the two black lines, but who's the one pursuing? Who's the one getting backed up? All these jokers out there being like, Silva effectively counterpunched. Sorry, the vast majority of his good offense came when he was pursuing, and that's just a fact. Go back and watch the tape, because believe me, I did. So what happens here is, I believe this is the elbow, yes. So Bisping's reeling here because I think he's trying to stay out of trouble. He may have taken a small punch earlier. He's kind of circling this way, right? And Silva just sort of reads that he's got open space here. Steps out of the punch. You can see he steps you know, uh, outside of that punch of Michael Bisping and then throws an elbow over the top. Michael Bisping wasn't expecting that. This is a la Carlos Condit, um, Tiago Alves, right, where they're expecting a punch. They don't know that the range is going to be different, and when you come in and crack him, and you can see he's actually inside the space, although he has an outside knee here. So it's not quite the outside foot positioning, but it effectively assumes that. Uh, and then that elbow comes over the top. So now Michael uh, Michael Bisping is, let's see, this was 15 seconds in, yeah. Michael Bisping's reeling. Silva sees it, throws an uppercut to raise the chin. The lead uppercut is much more of a chin raiser, and then fires the, le- the le- left hand back to uh, uh, pop his head. Uh, and I believe this is also the end of the f- fourth round. Yep. So you see him watching, watching. Both guys looking at each other. You see him sort of put his hand up, gauge reaction, uh, measure distance. There's a hand trap. And then you see him immediately jump into it. And it's interesting because what had happened was, if you go back, Michael Bisping looks like he's going to brace for a kick, a high kick, because of the way Silva switches stances here. And then he comes up and bangs him out, just like that. Nicely done. Actually, he doesn't, excuse me, he doesn't switch stance, but he just kind of shows that like that leg is cocked. And the leg was cocked, right? Because you have to use it to drive back, to drive the left hand over. And you can see... The way he's postured here, he's expecting a kick from that side. Boom. Silva cracks him. So then we go to the fifth round. Fifth round, Bisping pursuing again. Uh, this is where he gets in a little bit of trouble. Right? Throws an inside left kick. Kind of misses on a left and then a right. Right? Backs up and you can see Silva looking like, Oh, I know where you are. Kaboom. That's just a great timing shot. There's nothing really particularly special about it. Um, Bisping wasn't moving his feet a lot in this particular time, and so Silva kind of caught him, getting a little bit lazy with it. Now it's the fifth round, of course, understanding why a guy's lazy, but this is really, really, I mean, this is just a beautiful shot. Look at the blood on the bottom of the feet there of Anderson Silva. Look at the eyes on it the whole time. Silva doesn't 
quite get the ball of it, but he gets he doesn't get the heel, but he gets the ball of his foot on the chin of Bisping, and that kind of you know bumped his head back a little bit. Uh, just great timing, great spatial awareness there from Anderson Silva. And then this is uh, let's see. Silva is pursuing. Bisping's covering up. Again, where is Bisping covering up? Behind the two black lines. Who is pursuing? It's Silva. Everyone wants to talk about all the best offense. Yes, that one front kick came when his back was against the fence. But the majority of his offense came in this kind of thing. Fifth round was a great round for Anderson Silva. And you can see he throws an, uh, a knee here. It doesn't quite land. You can see how just how good his posture is and how good his aim is for the most part, though. Tries another one. That doesn't quite work either. But it's certainly putting... Bisping on the defensive, backing him up, making him very hesitant to throw anything, which is a good thing to do. Uh, and then you see, look at how just you know messed up his face is. Here at two forty six, uh, they're they're just sort of gauging and pawing with their lead hands. What he does is Silva pushes this hand away. Right, he goes first. He goes to the middle, then he goes up, then he goes down, and you see it brings Michael's hand down, and he does this. Now, uh, Hardy called it an inside turning kick. My understanding was an inside turning kick was a 540 kick. Whatever you want to call it, it's like a front kick here in just closed distance. So watch how good his hand game is here. Hand goes middle, hand goes up, pushes it away. Then he bring, then Silva brings his own hand down, which brings Bisping's hand down. Bang. Crushes him. Nice, nice shot. But again, where is the offense taking place? Everyone's saying Silva effectively counterstruck. Not really. This was where the majority of his offense took place. I'm going to keep repeating it because I can't believe other people are denying it. Uh, they both trade left hooks here at the end. And that's it, folks. That's really about how this fight was won and lost. Just great job of Bisping being proactive. Great job managing distance. Great job shifting in the pocket when he needed to. Great job uh, using movement effectively. Great job never getting caught in Anderson Silva's game. Anderson Silva did show flashes of brilliance and athletic excellence. There are certainly no denying it. That front kick to the face just doesn't get old. I mean, that's just fantastic spatial awareness uh, and making somebody pay who had been using effective movement and fainting and then got a little lazy with it. But in the end, uh, this was you know a fight that was won. Let's go back. By this gentleman. This is the guy who did the work. This is the guy who put in, frankly, more effort to win. This is the guy who did not spend two minutes and nine seconds total with his back against the cage. This is the guy who who deserved to win. It's just that simple. A really, really, and I mean this in every sense of the word, what a magnificent performance from Michael Bisping. All right, and last but not least, segment three. Let's take a look at what's coming up ahead. Two major fight cards this week. Um... First will be on Friday, Bellator 151, believe it or not. So let's see. We have on the fight card the headlining bout, Joe Warren taking on Darian Caldwell. That should be interesting. Uh, Fernando Gonzalez, you might remember him from the Dynamite Show. He's back against Gilbert Smith. Goichi Yamauchi taking on Bubba Jenkins. That's a very tough fight for Jenkins. And then Joe Timon Glow taking on Sir One Kakai. Uh, Neiman Gracie always, uh, excuse me, also on that card. I believe that will take place at the Windstar World Casino in Thackerville, Oklahoma, Friday night on Spike TV. And then, of course, the big one, UFC 196, headlined by Conor McGregor taking on Nate Diaz, Holly Holm versus Misha Tate for the women's bantamweight title, uh, Gian Vellante versus Ilaria Latifi. That's fun. Corey Anderson versus Tom Lawler. Amanda Nunez taking on Valentina Shevchenko. That should be a lot of fun. Then the preliminary card, Brendan Thatch versus Sihar Bahadurazada. Eric Silva returns against Nordin Taleb. Boy, Silva's fallen on hard times. Uh, Vitor Miranda taking on Marcelo Guimaraes. 
Uh, Darren Elkins is against Chaz Skelly. Diego Sanchez is on Fight Pass versus Jim Miller. Nice little fight for Fight Pass. Justin Salas versus Jason Sago. And then Julian Erosa taking on Teruto Ishihara. And that, of course, will be at the, I believe, MGM Grand. Yep, it'll be the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, of course, on pay-per-view. Thank you so much for watching. If there's anything you need to correct uh, that I got wrong, email me, luke.thomas at sbnation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at sbnlukethomas. And then you can get at me on facebook.com slash Sports. So until next time, guys, thank you so much for watching. This has been the Monday Morning Analyst. Next time, enjoy the fights.